in a dark world filled with deceit. One united voice is crying out. Revealing the truth of God's word. It's time to expose the hidden truth. And unravel the lies. While we're living in Satan's little season. With Sister Crystal and Brother Phil. Welcome to Living in Satan's Little Season show with your hosts, Sister Crystal and Brother Phil. Here we are. All right, we got another good show for you today. Follows the coattails of what we talked about in a previous show, how God's word got corrupted. Satan has been tirelessly working not only to corrupt our society, but also to corrupt even God's word. And this is why I don't blame a lot of preachers, a lot of Bible teachers, for not really understanding these deep teachings that we're talking about on our show, because God's word has been corrupted by the devil. Mm -hmm. And I will show you and I'll give you the biblical proofs that you need today. This is a very serious show, and that's we go into on this show is some very deep things that you don't really get in churches these days. And this is why I want to talk about all these issues, because we need to understand, well, how did Satan, how is he able to deceive all these churches and everything? Can't they see the same thing you're seeing? I'm going to explain to you what happened and what I, where I think things went wrong. And so we're going to start in Daniel chapter 8. Uh, I'm going to give a lot of scripture this time, and this yeah. may go a little bit long, but we're going to try to explain to you slowly kind of what happened. In a previous show, we talked about there was four kingdoms that Daniel had prophesied a number of times about, actually. And matter of fact, Daniel 2, Daniel 8, Daniel 9, all of them talk about these different kingdoms. Now, Daniel 2 talked about the four kingdoms. Yep. First kingdom was the kingdom of Babylon. And the next kingdom was Medo-Persian, then Greece. Greece. And then last kingdom was Rome before the kingdom of God was set up, an eternal kingdom that Christ set up that would destroy all the other kingdoms. So we're going to go to Daniel chapter 8. And why don't you go ahead and read um, Daniel 8, and we'll start with verse 3, and we'll continue on from there. Then I lifted my eyes and saw, and there standing beside the river was a ram, which had two horns. And the two horns were high, but one was higher than the other, and the higher one came up last. I saw the ram pushing westward, northward, and southward, so that no animal could withstand him, or was there any that could deliver from his hand. But he did accordingly to his will, and became great. Okay, so here he's talking about these animals, especially a ram that came up. Right. Later on, you'll discover what this ram is. It was a world empire. Right. The, essentially the Medo-Persians. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's talking about them right here. Okay. okay, so go ahead and continue on here. And as I was considering suddenly, a male goat came from the west across the surface of the whole earth. Without touching the ground, 
and the goat had a notable horn between his eyes. We, we know that the ram that came across was Medo-Persians. And then, of course, the goat that came on afterwards, you know, it says basically, we know that this was essentially the kingdom of Greece. Okay. That, that overtook the Medo-Persian kings. Right. And, of course, it says here the same thing, that he, the male goat went over the west across the surface of the whole earth. Right. Essentially saying the same thing he said in the second chapter of uh, Daniel, right. that Greece was going to take over the whole world. Greece essentially was the first world empire in, I guess you could say, semi-modern times beyond, like before, I think there might have been one during the... Um, the great flood before that happened right. because basically that's why God had to wipe out the world because it was completely taken over by the devil. Right. And then later on you had the the, um, the, the Babel event. Right. And essentially, again, one kingdom was taken over and that's why God had to mix up the languages right. of all the people. And so that was the last time you had the whole world kind of unified under essentially a one world government, so to speak, until you get to the kingdom of Greece here. And Greece then, because every kingdom after that, when you look in the Bible, you got the Assyrians that came on before Babylon, actually. But then Babylon kind of took them over, and every kingdom got a little bit bigger until right. you got to Greece, and Greece essentially took over the, whole, the entire world Meets at that time. Persia. Uh -huh. Of course, but quickly after Greece did this, they split up into four kingdoms because Alexander the Great didn't feel like any one of his generals could, could control the whole thing. So he split it up between his four generals. More manageable parts. Yeah. And so <laughs> the kingdom of Greece became essentially four kingdoms of Greece. Right. And they kind of split up the world into like quarters, so to speak. Right. I guess that's the easiest way to say it. Well, you know, it's an easier way to, to handle the powers and the responsibilities. Yeah. So we're going to read the interpretation of this dream, which is in Daniel chapter 8. And we'll go ahead and start with verse 20 okay. there. The ram which you saw having the two horns, they are the kings of Mede and Media and Persia. And the male goat is the kingdom of Greece. The large horn that is between its eyes is the first king. As for the broken horn and the four that stood up in its place, four kingdoms shall arise out of that nation, but not with its power. Okay, so exactly as I explained, the four, king, uh, the four kingdoms came up out of Greece... Because Alexander didn't feel like one person could right. control the whole thing. Now, we talked about earlier the purpose behind every one of these kingdoms. And this is important to understand. The purpose behind, of course, Babylon was a, to judge the nations, right. purge the nation of, of the wickedness, essentially. Punish the nation as a result of their wickedness and whatnot. That was the purpose of, of Babylon. And then Persia was a restoration empire. They were restoring the, the temple restoring Jerusalem, bringing the people back, allowing God's people to then get set up for the next kingdom, which was the kingdom of Greece. Greece. Now, God brought Greece in there and used them to preserve. He, they were the ones to, to preserve the Bible. Right. Okay, that was their purpose. Because each one of these had a purpose. It wasn't like, oh, we're just going to have one come up and there's no purpose behind it. No. So the entire... Old Testament, the entire Bible got translated into Greek, mm -hmm. and then by the time you get to the New Testament, everyone has this Bible in their hand. Because by this time, the whole world, remember, had, you know, was under, under Greek. Right. They, and so the Greeks were really good at expounding their language, expounding their culture, um, expounding um, their writing, 
And so the entire Old Testament was then translated mm -hmm. into Greek. And this, I believe, God used to preserve his word. Okay. So that they couldn't be tampered with. It couldn't be corrupted because it would be all over the world. Because the Greeks were all over the world. Well, you know, there was a purpose behind each, like you said, each one of these powerful kingdoms. Interesting enough, the Greek language, there's a lot of differences in how people understand it and how it relates. And in our English language, there's so many correlations to the root word of the Greek root word. And so that there's power there. And I think, you know, you think about yeah. it, their reason behind in history was to really establish how we kind of think and speak and really allowing God's word to be among the greatest of all writings that have ever been read and written. Well, the Greek language is a very precise language. Mm -hmm. And I believe that's why God used it. He had it, the entire Bible got translated from Hebrew, you know, mm -hmm. ancient Hebrew to Greek. Right. And essentially, by the time you get to the New Testament, Jesus is quoting this Bible. Right. The apostles are all quoting this Bible. Right. Everyone is quoting this Greek Old Testament Bible. This was their Bible. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, it's my belief mm -hmm. that when these writers of the New Testament were quoting right. and referring, they were referring back, and matter of fact, when they would pen the writings, right. they were actually making references yeah. not to the Hebrew Bible that we think of today, right. but this Greek Bible that they were used to using. Well, I think if you were to study both languages, the Greek and the Hebrew, um, the Greek language is a lot easier for people to understand, to kind of, even in, to have to learn in an English language, Hebrew is a lot more difficult for people to kind of grasp. Well, the Hebrew was starting to go out of favor, even mm -hmm. in the Old Testament. Matter of fact, when uh, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came through, he was, you know, trying to speak to the people in Hebrew, and they're all like, uh, don't speak to us in Hebrew because uh, we don't really understand it that well. <laughs> right, so right. even so, 700 right. B.C., Hebrew was already going out of favor, and they were speaking mm. Aramaic at that point. The context, so what's easier, what, what was more flowing for people to read or to write and to understand was Greek. Well, and then the only ones that were really taught speaking Hebrew and learning that were like the, um, the, the, the learned scribes, the Pharisees, right, the, right. the people that were that would be translating the Bible, they would keep that. But then, so it was these elitists that right. were only ones okay. that really knew all of it. When the average common person, no, they, they didn't know any of that stuff. They, they, were, they weren't speaking Hebrew. They didn't know Hebrew. They knew Aramaic. And so they didn't really understand all that. Now, right. I'm getting to a point here because what happened was, I believe there was a problem. I think Satan corrupted this Hebrew yeah. Bible. Right. When Jesus came... Who was controlling the Hebrew Bible? Well, it was the Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes. Right. And did they like Jesus very much? No. Well, no. I mean, you look at all over, they were always butting heads with Jesus. They were guilty of putting him to death. And so what you find happening here right. is there are certain biblical prophecies about Christ in the Old Testament that have been, shall I say... Scrubbed? Modified. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying to be very tactful about now, this. Why, did, why doubted? We're going to show you a couple examples here well, the, that the are new, very clear. The new terminology is redacted. Well, yeah. <laughs> and it, this is sickening to me because I don't, how is God going to judge this? Because, you know, it took me a while to figure out, well, man, what's going on here? And then when I figured out what had happened, and now I, I, then I got a Bible that actually uses Greek right. as their, their primary Old Testament. And there's not very many of them around. Even though I'm an English speaker and there are literally 
hundreds mm-hmm. of translations of the Bible to to English. Mm-hmm. There's only a ha- very small handful of those right. that go from the Greek Septuagint, right. which was the Bible that Jesus and all the apostles mm-hmm. used to to English. There's only a very handful, and all the major ones. Every major Bible translation translate from the corrupted Hebrew, unfortunately, to English. And so you cannot get that available, which is sad to me because, you know, everybody has their their Bible apps on their phones. You know, I'm sure most of us are familiar with version or whatever that they use to, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we can get free Bibles on our phone. version, every single version of the Bible that they Mm -hmm. use there. I, I I might be wrong, but the last time I checked, not not a single one of them have an Old Testament that goes from Greek to English. They all go from Hebrew to English, which is actually a corrupted version. And I'm going to give you the versions that have done this, and I'm going to explain why how I think this happened. Reading God's Word is a total blessing, knowing that we have that at our fingertips. And now knowing, you know, there are versions out there that aren't exactly translated perfectly, we can still have, through the Holy Spirit... Be guided through understanding. Now, for you, there was time that you couldn't ignore what certain scriptures were saying. And so I think, you know, if anyone else has been reading the Bible and has that, just pray for clarity and being patient in that time, God does reveal certain truths, and it just takes a little bit. But knowing that there are other versions that you can get your hands on or to make that reading a little more accessible and understandable, that's really beneficial. This is why we're here. You might ask, well, how, Brother Phil, how are you able to figure out all this stuff and all these other Bible preachers aren't? Well, because I am not using the same versions. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm almost absolutely sure I'm not using the same versions they are. Mm-hmm. I'm using versions that, that go from Greek, mm-hmm. the one that Jesus and the apostles actually used, to English. Because I believe that this is God's preserved word. I, I mean, it's not perfect by any no. stretch of the imagination because with any time you have a bunch of scribes, you're going right. to have little errors. <laughs> but I would say 95% more mm. accurate, right. and that is not an exaggeration, than your typical Bible. Right. And we're going to give you some examples of that here. Okay. Now, an example that is very easy to understand is Luke chapter 4. Okay. Jesus is actually reading the book of Isaiah. We're going to read that passage of scripture okay. there. When he goes into the synagogue, right. and he's reading the book of Isaiah. Go ahead and read Luke chapter 4, verse 17. And he, he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has set me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and to recall cover of the recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed okay and then basically after he's saying that he sat down and says this has been fulfilled in your midst and you know everybody was like you know dumbfounded (gasps) when he sat when he said that (laughs) but there's a phrase here that has been edited out of our old testament now we can go back because that's actually in isaiah chapter 61 that he was reading from this part of the bible that here that says here recovery of sight to the blind that recovery of sight to the blind has been edited out of your Bibles. And I will prove this to you because if you go, and you can read it for yourself right now, just go to Isaiah chapter 61, mm-hmm. verse 1. You can read this exact quote, but you'll never see that part where he says recovery of sight to the blind until you get to the Septuagint version 
-hmm. which actually has that in there. And so, you know, like the King James, it just leaves it out and says to proclaim liberty to the captives and open and opening of the prison to those who are bound. It does. Mm -hmm. It just leaves out the recovery of sight to the blind, which that's what Jesus was doing. He was healing the blind people, right. and there are a number of miracles that he had doing this. Right. Yeah, they put mud on their eyes, or he, right. you know, um, just healed them. But they edited that out of their Bibles, and mm -hmm. so when you go back and you read in the book of Isaiah, mm -hmm. you can't see that part. It's clear, and of course, you go to the Bibles that I use, right? Which are which are the Greek Septuagint versions to English. Mm -hmm. Sure enough, it's right there. It's almost mm -hmm. an identical word-for-word -word translation of what Jesus said right. is on in there. Almost mm -hmm. identical. Perfect. Wow. This is what they did. They're, and this isn't the only place. I'm just giving you one example that's very clear right. that they did this. Right. I'm going to show you other ones. Because sometimes there's references in the Old Testament. That no, sometimes they do they'll that. reference yes. Old, Old Testament yeah. scriptures. And then you'll wonder, well, where is that at? And then you can't find it anywhere. Well, you know, it's it's one thing to have it spoken in the Old Testament but then to have a correlation to those who wrote that, it really clarifies God's word even more. And so I think God made that on purpose. There was, it's more of like a redundancy to fall back on and to know that it wasn't just one author who was inspired to write that. It was another one to refer to the other, the last, the author or the first author who were inspired. Because it's a message that God doesn't want just one person's perspective. It's, you know, his message. And he wanted more people to be clear about who that came from. You know, we, we talk a lot about Revelation in the right. show. I bring this up because I want to show you in Revelation, there has been another corruption. Believe it or not, it's in the last chapter of your entire Bible. Revelation chapter 22. Right. It's literally the second to the last thing that Jesus ever says right. in the entire Bible. This is in Revelation chapter 22, verse 16. And we're going to mm -hmm. read that really quick. And I want to show you what Jesus states there, because because John is quoting Jesus in this phrase. And so it's, you know, if you have a red letter edition of your Bible, this is, <laughs> it's going to be in red here. So we're going to, we're going to read that right here. Revelation chapter 22, verse 16. Go ahead. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David. The bright and morning star. So here, you know, of course, Jesus is called the bright and morning star. He's claiming right. to be the bright and morning star here. Few people understand that this is actually a quotation. It's a reference to an Old Testament passage of Scripture. Okay. An Old Testament prophecy about Christ. And we know this is a prophecy about Christ. But you won't be able to read that mm -hmm. in your Bibles. Yeah. Because in the Hebrew Bibles to English, it, it got edited out. It got restated and removed a, well it got restated and kind of removed slightly or altered to where it doesn't state it exactly word for word the way it was and you see because jesus is referencing psalm 110 psalm 110 jesus is basically it wasn't only jesus that referenced right. psalm 110 as being about christ there is actually two other authors right. in the new testament that reference psalm 110 two others it's Matthew. It, matter of fact, Jesus actually states this about himself in Matthew chapter 22. Matthew 22, Psalm 110, he says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand, take your enemy at your footstool. Okay, we all remember this. Right. If you've been in church, this is found in Matthew chapter 22. Okay, so Jesus is quoting this. Right. But it wasn't only Jesus that quoted Psalm 110 okay. about himself. Hebrews 
more than one time quotes Jesus because on that in that chapter it also talks about Jesus being he's a high high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Right. And that's actually quoted in Hebrews. So the author of Hebrews okay. quotes Psalm 110. Jesus in Matthew, Psalm 110. And here again in Revelation, Psalm 110. Now, once I read you Psalm 110 <laughs> in your Bibles, if you read it in the, in the Septuagint that I'm going to read it in, it's talking about... A futuristic event. An event that we talk about in the show right now. Right. <laughs> Armageddon. Right. It's talking about Jesus' return and the Armageddon events. Right. This will blow your mind. And uh-huh. the first resurrected people are mentioned right. there. All of it is mentioned in this one chapter. And we're going to read that for you right now right. because this is a mind blower here because <laughs> you don't see this with your normal version no. because they've edited out carefully yeah. a few key words. Exactly. So you can't, you won't notice these things. It's not an obvious correlation. Yeah, it's not obvious that no. he's talking about, no, this is Armageddon. This is judging the nations in his return. Yeah. And we're going to read Psalm 110, but I'm going to okay. read it to you in the version that I read. Okay. Because this is the one that, the apostles and Jesus all read. And you'll see what I'm talking about when we read this. And so we're going to read one verse at a time here. And then we'll we'll, we'll go over that. So why don't you go ahead and read Psalm right. 110. And it's only, the, the whole chapter is only six verses. Okay. So we're going to read one verse and then we're going to go, what does this say? The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies the footstool of your feet. Okay, so that's exactly what Jesus quoted in Matthew chapter 22. So we know Jesus is referring to himself here. When Matthew wrote that about Jesus, Jesus is referencing Psalm 110 to be about him. Absolutely, this is is a prophecy about Jesus. Go ahead, next verse. The Lord shall send forth the rod of your power from Zion and rule in the midst of your enemies. Okay. So did you hear that second verse? We Where do we hear about the rod? He was iron scepter. Iron scepter, rod of iron. Okay. This is exactly what Christ ruled with when he returned and he judged the nation. Okay, and at Zion was where mm-hmm. he was doing that from. That was his capital city. And that was the battle of Armageddon with your enemies. And of course, what happened when he came with the resurrected saints and everything, then he ruled, but then everybody else that was left on earth was judged. were judged, right. and they were all... Uh, in opposition to Christ mm-hmm. because they didn't choose Christ. It was only the ones that were that went through the Great Tribulation and right. survived all that were raised and became essentially the first resurrected. Of course, there is describing here, getting a little bit more detail, right. that all of a sudden Christ, when he came and set foot on the Mount of Olives, right. that he was in the midst of his enemies. Oh, yeah, you better right. believe it because oh, yeah. everybody left <laughs> that weren't on the Mount of Olives were his right. enemies. Right. Okay, so let's oh. go ahead. And, now, here in verse 3 is where they corrupt. This is... The King James Version, but it isn't just King James. All of the right. other ones, they, yeah. and it, I'm not blaming the King James translators. No. Don't get me wrong, because all the other translators, if you're going from Hebrew to right. English, right. you're you're not going to see it because they edited stuff out in here. Okay, so you, we're going to read it in okay. King James, right? and I'll show you what, what, we're, what I'm talking about there. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power, in the beauties of holiness, from the womb of the morning, thou hast the dew of thy youth. That really didn't make any sense There's to no me. There's no commonality of anything there. Because we read about, okay, first it's Christ coming, you know, going to judge, getting ready to judge with, uh-huh. with with a rod of iron and all that, with the rod in the midst of his enemies, right? Right. Well, then they, this verse shows up, and you're all like, okay, well, <laughs> this verse no doesn't sense. make any sense. But now you read this instead in the Septuagint to English version, and this makes, matter of fact, it makes way more sense. Right. 
And you could tell they did some careful editing of yeah. a few words, and all of a sudden now you have a different a, a different meaning of this. Yes. Now go ahead and read that, read what it said there. With you is the beginning in the day of your power, in the brightness of your holy ones. It says with you beginning he's beginning the day of his power when he came. So basically it's saying this is the beginning of your your thousand year reign Wait, of Christ. Right, your first your thousand okay. years. First and of course, it mentions in the in the brightness of your holy ones. Now, where did we hear that okay. before? Yeah. Holy ones first resurrected again. Right, and their brightness is because of their right. glorified bodies. They're glorified again, but uh-huh. see, the, now now the holy ones are mentioned in now four places in the Old Testament. Not only are they mentioned in Daniel, Zechariah, but also here, and also we we read it in 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 Revelation chapter twenty. Four right. places the that the first resurrected are mentioned. So obviously there's this, and they're all called the same thing, the holy right. ones. The holy ones are mentioned. With the brightness of your holy ones, in other words, right. they're coming with all the holy ones, all the saints. Some some versions of, of this actually use the word saints, right. which you can use that too. That's fine. Okay, go ahead and keep reading. I have begotten you from the womb before the bright morning star. Okay, that's where you get in Revelation chapter uh-huh. 22. You know, I am the root and offspring of David, the bright morning star. Guess who wrote this psalm? This is a psalm of David. And he was referencing that he was the bright before he was the bright and morning star. But you don't read the bright morning star anywhere in the Hebrew Bibles. Right. You only read it in this Greek Bible. Right. And so you're all like, no one would make that connection. Uh, who that was, right. This is why I'm trying to explain to you, uh, this is how I'm figuring out what they did. I believe Satan. I, yeah. And I have a theory on how I think this worked. Because it took me a while to figure out, what well, how did Satan do this? Right. How was he able to modify these prophecies in the Old Testament mm-hmm. when he was bound for a thousand years? Right. And I think I know how he did it. Okay. But we'll do that here at the end. He goes on to explain a little bit more about his millennial reign. The Lord swore and will not repent. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Okay, so now, he remember, Jesus came down. And this is a quotation, of course, from Hebrews. Right, right. Hebrews talks about Jesus being in the order of Melchizedek. This is actually a direct quotation right. that the Hebrew writer quoted this as well to say, oh, yeah, this is about, see, that Jesus is going to reign as high priest under the order of Melchizedek. Not Aaron's priesthood, but, but the order of Melchizedek. So this is how he's going to reign. He's going to reign as high priest. That's what Jesus came to reign as. The Lord at your right hand crushed kings in the day of his wrath. What is he doing? He's crushing right. the kings. And right. what, this is describing Armageddon yes. to a T, that he was g- going to pound the nation. Okay, go ahead. He shall judge among the nations. He shall fill them with dead bodies. He shall crush the heads of many on earth. Okay, so I don't know how much more clear you can get. <laughs> this has to be Jesus. And, of course, we know it's about Christ right. because it's mentioned three places about Christ. Mm-hmm. But, you see, you read that in your version of the Bible, and you're not getting making the connection as well mm-hmm. as you are here. Oh, man, this is exactly talking about Jesus coming. Right. He's going to judge the nations, as it just says right there. He shall judge among the nations. Exactly. That's what Jesus right. came to do. Exactly. His, the, the, the first judgment day was judgment of the nations. Here he mentions it again. So we know it's a judgment of the nations. Uh-huh. He's crushing, he, he's killing a bunch of people right. because of he's judging the nation. So a bunch of dead bodies. Okay, so last verse here, of he course. Sh- he shall drink from the brook on the way, therefore he shall raise his head high. So this whole chapter is essentially just mm-hmm. Jesus in the Armageddon event describing with the holy ones he's coming down right. and he's judging the nations as high priest. Right. Can't be any more clear. Three 
New Testament writers. Confirming. Confirm that this right. is talking about Christ. Right. There could be absolutely no chance that this is not talking about Jesus. But you see, you don't see that because they've modified those right. prophecies about Jesus being the bright and morning star in this passage of Scripture. Right. So in Revelation chapter 22, you're not making that connection. But if you look in the in the Greek, yeah. you see that connection. Right. This is why I think God preserved his word in the Greek language so that we can know and understand it. Probably even knew that the Pharisees and Sadducees, you know, if they were still kind of going to be up to their no good tricks in the future, that there was going to need to be a way to keep one unmolested version of his word. And he made sure that it was guarded and protected by those who really value and, you know, would, would keep his word secure so that people could he- read it correctly and with all the correlations combined. You know, these kind of doctrinal problems don't just, like, happen overnight. No. They, they, they're slow and they they take time to develop. Right. So this is why I'm not really blaming a lot of these churches because they're just reading their Bibles. They're going, right. well, I don't see what you're seeing there. And, and my Bible is inspired Word of God, too. They're not realizing, well, yeah, I know, but you see, Satan has come and corrupted that Old Testament. Now, the New Testament, don't get me wrong, the New Testament and the gospel message, uncorruptible. Right, right. And so that's why we do, the stuff we're talking about on the show here, it just helps confirm that God has a system in place, has something going on right. here. Right. If most of the churches do not teach and preach that Jesus has already returned, Right? right. Yeah. So you're looking here at this is the correlation to in Psalms that he of what you know Revelation says he's going to do, which gives us an understanding that it has already happened. But it makes sense why Satan and people he and somehow served him to help remove this or ex- expunge it a little bit because he does not want people to draw correlations that David wrote this or knew or was inspired. He doesn't want anyone to have that valuable information that Jesus, to correlate that Jesus has already returned or that it was pointing to that event in Revelation. Well, if you go back 30 years Mm -hmm. ago today, I would never have made the connection either Mm -hmm. because there wasn't a really good translation from the Greek Septuagint to English until just really recently. Okay. Until the, 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 basically the 21st century, there has not been a really good, accurate Greek-to-English translation mm. of the Old Testament that I can make these connections with. But now that we have them, I'm like, oh, man, I'm seeing, I'm seeing this. But see, this right. is why a lot of preachers, it takes time for them. They're not seeing it because they're not, they're not realizing, okay, that these new translations now are, are translating from the Greek Septuagint, the one that Jesus read, right. to English, and this is, I believe, I believe God's pre- preserved word. Right, but they're using... They're using the Hebrew to English, right. which had been corrupted. Now, I think I know how Satan did it. It took me a while to figure out, uh-huh. well, how did Satan do it? Okay, here's what I think happened. When John was penning Revelation, Satan got a hold of it mm. before he was bound. and he right. ha- and he before hatched, the millennium started. Yeah, he read in Revelation chapter 20 about his... A, a doom, and he actually, believe it or not... His demise. He, he, he read it. about his demise. <laughs> he read about his being bound for a thousand years and thought... And so I believe at that point is when he hatched a plan. So was he the first one to skip the whole book and read the last few pages to see what happens to him? Well, the mind blower <laughs> out of all this is that Satan believes God's word to be exactly. true. Exactly. No, he knows it's true. 
And so right. what he did, he hatched a plan to corrupt the Old Testament yeah. while he was bound for a thousand mm. years. And he instructed all his demons, which, you know, they weren't bound for a thousand no. years. So they were still running all the nations. We're going to corrupt this Bible. We're going to get rid of all anything, as many... Uh, prophecies about jesus in the old testament as we can gonna, we don't want people believing in christ erase jesus. any correlations or we're gonna connection. we're gonna modify every mm. as many as we can and that's what they did really early on i think it was probably right after the destruction of the the temple in jerusalem it didn't take for but just a few scribes that would just they oh we're gonna get rid of this, this jesus character is taking too many people away from from, <laughs> from us from from Judaism, we need to um, stop this. So we need, we're going to modify uh. some of these prophecies, and that's what they did. Yeah. So I think late first century, early second century, a little bit after Satan was bound, is when they started corrupting uh-huh. just little bit little bits of prophecies about Christ all over the Old Testament. Right. So the people couldn't make the connections that we're making here. Right. And so they couldn't see what we're seeing here, right. and and see all the correlations that I'm showing you now. But then, and see, even me growing up, I didn't see these either right. because I was reading. And, and the Bibles that have the corrupted versions right. are like all the main ones. NIV, King James, New King James, English Standard Version, Holman's Christian Standard Bible. New American, New American Standard, Standard Bible. New English Translation, Translation. Yeah, the New Living Translation, New Revised Standard, the Revised Standard, the World English Bible. All the main ones that anybody wow. uses today have mm. this corrupted version and it isn't their fault because they're just being honest translators translating from the corrupted version they got to english right well it's really dedication and discipline and commitment to loving god's word and that's probably those who translated it from the greek so that the one that you use to really help you really correlate the scriptures because here's what i believe even though satan can do his darndest to Fool, um, erase, white out, whatever he thinks he can do to corrupt God's word, God will always make a way. And his word is living and breathing, sharper than a two-edged sword, and God has a way of making it all balance and work out because he wants people who are passionate for him to rise up, to seek the truth, and to read and know what the truth is, and that's what this whole show is about. I, this is why I'm going to give you the version of the Bible that I use. Okay. Okay. Now, these are the ones you've probably not even heard of because they're the, the 90, over 99% of the Bibles mm-hmm. are using Hebrew to English. All right. So I'm giving you what like a fraction uh-huh. of the Christians will actually use today. But this is ones I use. I, there's four versions of the Bible that I found. They all came out in the 21st century. Not a single one. If you go back to, you know, like the 1990s or whatever, uh-huh. you will not find any of these versions because they're all, I think people realized, yeah. the translators started to realize, well, let's go from a little bit more accurate mm. source material than what we're using now. And right. they started going to this. And so you have, the first one is the 2001 translation, uh-huh. which you actually find that online. But they haven't even come out with a Bible yet. Theirs is this online only. So that was in 2000, 2001 was that when that came out. But it's still not even in print yet. Okay. They just still have translators working on it, and it's open source and all that. And then after that, in 2006, you have the Apostolic Bible Polyglot, which oh. is kind of a weird name for a Bible <laughs> translation. <laughs> but this is 2006 when they started doing so. Before 2006, they had essentially none that you could actually nothing that you can go to the store and Mm -hmm. buy a Bible and just read it for yourself. And then you got 2007, 
a new English translation of the Septuagint, which that came out in 2007. And then you have 2008, which is the Orthodox Study Bible. And that's when you really like And that's the one I use because that even has all the extra books during the intertestamental period that right. I like to read mm-hmm. and reference as well. Here, those are the only four versions. And you, most people, and I've told about this, they've never even heard of these versions because they aren't in the mainstream. But I'm telling you, this is how I'm figuring all this stuff out. Mm-hmm. I'm giving you the secret to how I'm figuring out all the secrets of the Bible. Well, also through to the Holy Spirit. We have to give God and his inspiration to showing you and through fasting that, you know, seeking for the Lord and his truth is very viable and very vital for our living. And you're doing that by reading his word, praying over it, fasting over it, meditating yeah. on it, yeah. and allowing that spirit God's spirit to inspire and uh, awaken in you a truth that you may not have been aware of before. And I think that's humility. The main thing that I'm really mad about is that people can't see what I'm seeing because they're looking and reading their Bibles like like they're supposed to be. God tells us to read our Bibles, you know, believe what the Bible says and all this. And yet here they got this corrupted version. And now, now don't get me wrong. All the main parts of salvation stuff you could get out of all these versions. Don't, right. There's so much redundancy in the Bible that you're not going to miss salvation as a result of, what, of right. all, any of this. But you're not going to see these deeper meanings, these deeper teachings uh-huh. that we're going into. There's an area that uh-huh. I'm going to talk about here, which is the genealogies and how many years things are. And if you start mm-hmm. doing the math on these years... That has been seriously corrupted from, from the Septuagint to the Hebrew Bible. There are wow. to- they're literally 1,500 years erased wow. from the Hebrew Bible in the Old Testament Wow, that they did. And I believe this was on purpose, and I think I know what they did. I think I know uh-huh. why they did it, uh-huh. because I'm like, why would they do that? And then I figured it out exactly. I knew exactly what Satan was doing. Mm. This is how I knew that Satan had got a hold of Revelation before right. he was thrown in that pit of his <laughs> for a thousand years. Because he hatched a plan. It's not revenge. To corrupt of the, all this, right? It's not revenge of the Sith. It's revenge of the Satan. But he didn't. He couldn't corrupt it too much. <laughs> no. Because otherwise, everyone would just completely toss it out. Yeah. Oh, totally. He, he just corrupted just little things he needed here to and there. Parts. Yeah. Just little words here and there yeah. that would kind of change the meaning, but not too much. Well, then it just obscures with the whole message because you know that. 110, Psalm 110, 3, just makes no sense. It yeah, almost it, reads like poetry, but without any any real. Yeah, meaning. it doesn't. You could tell that they just it didn't make any sense. Uh-uh. But you read it in the in the in the Greek to English, and right. it, it's going right along. It, has, talk, it, it yeah. just flows. It does. So you could tell that it was definitely modified and edited. And so that's why, how is God going to judge people based on their not understanding of the mm-hmm. stuff that I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to judge it too harshly because how can he? Our Bibles have been corrupted. Right. All the main Bibles that we use, in our, right. in, in, if you go to any church in this country, they're not going to have these Bibles that I shared with you. Almost right. none of them will. Unless right. you go to maybe like a, a Greek Orthodox church or something, they might have one of those there. But you go to any other, no, mm-hmm. you're not going to find mm-hmm. this. And that's why even in, in that, and this is just in English that it got translated. Right. What about all these other countries? They probably have nothing. Everything's uh-huh. going from... The corrupted Hebrew to the to their Spanish, French, German, mm-hmm. Italian, whatever language right. around the world that they, you, you read, and they have no chance. But what I'm trying to share with you is that we need to get this, the, the Bible translated from the, the Greek, the one that 
God preserved right. to every single language on earth so we can right. we, we can unlock these mysteries for everybody else. And it isn't just me in the English-speaking world <laughs> saying, hey, we need to do something here. Right. And I think everybody else should do the same thing. Well, and I think if God will make a way if that's in his plan. But I really do think he wants everyone to be aware of Satan's schemes. Now, don't get me wrong. I love all these other versions of the Bible. Yeah. You know, King James, New King James. I use all of them, and I reference yeah. every single one. But And it's not their fault, necessarily, no. that they're cr- using a corrupted source material. They The translators did the best job they could right. with, with the materials they had. Right. But Satan is so smart, yeah. the devious, that he just changed little things here and there. So you couldn't get it, you couldn't get really deep into the Word of God like I'm trying to tell you. Well, you know, he's, he's taken the old adage and... The concentrated word of God has been diluted to where it doesn't really taste and look like the original, but it'll be good enough. You get a little symbolicness of it, and that'll be okay. He hasn't taken and changed completely the word of God, but just enough to make us go, this doesn't quite make sense, but, you know, this is God's word, okay. But then when you read the untainted, uncomplicated version that's correctly written, you're like, wow, like your eyes are opened and you're like, this is amazing. And you see the, the prophecies about Jesus are mm-hmm. just like vibrant. They're right mm-hmm. there. And there's tons of places. I just gave you a couple examples here. Right. Otherwise, we could go on for five hours on this show <laughs> showing you all the places that have been have been tainted here and there. Right. Now, obviously, the, the stuff that has to do with salvation is, is intact no. because he couldn't corrupt the New Testament. The only, right. only thing he corrupted a little bit and he changed is the Old Testament prophecies about Jesus. Right. So they couldn't see what I'm showing you here. Well, if someone in the New Testament writings had related something to the Old Testament writings, there'd be no exact connection and matchup. Well, this is why we're here. <laughs> and this is why I'm, I did the show, because right. I'm, I might be the only one going into these these Greek translations and looking at the Greek, I, there's things that you just wouldn't believe that. I, see, right. I, my view is that I think God has told us in the Bible everything that we needed to know to survive the 21st century. This is why I don't need to use like, oh, history or anything other other stuff mm-hmm. that people use. I think God has given us everything. And there are things I'll show you that would be like, I can't believe that's actually in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's in there. But, but you don't see it because... Satan has just done enough just to just change things here and there right. where you don't notice these things. Right. And there's things that you just all of a sudden be like, wow, that just came right out. That's just uh-huh. amazing. About health and about uh-huh. stuff that you need to be doing. You just it's a it, the Bible is so amazing. Right. But it, it's even more amazing if you can actually read it exactly with a with a more accurate Bible translation right. than the ones that most people are using these days. Right. To get really deep into it, and then now I'm realizing, okay, this is more confirmation that we're living in Satan's little season. Yes, exactly. That we're on the right track. Mm-hmm. Why? What? And why I have such a passion to do this show? Right. Because I really want to get this message out because nobody else is talking about this. Right. Well, you know, and Satan is just attacking Jesus and his validity to the throne and his power of coming and through Armageddon and all that. Really, all that it takes is us being passionate as well. Seekers looking for truth and trusting the Lord to help us share and stay connected through trusting Him and following His Word. But I just wanted to share with you. Yes. It's not that I've, oh, how's, Brother Phil, why did you figure all this out and nobody else has? Right. Well, I'm telling you how I figured it out. I'm, right. I'm explaining to you 
It's not any kind of major secret. I'm just no. these new Bible translations that go from Greek to English now right. are are much more accurate than the old versions we had. And all of a sudden, all the stuff is just coming right out. It's like, wow, right, right. this is amazing. Look at all these passages of Scripture. Now, <laughs> it's, it all, it's, everything's making sense now. Exactly. And before, you'd read it over and you wouldn't get it because it wasn't mm-hmm. making any sense. Now, everything kind of like comes right out. It's kind of exactly. like going from black and white into color now. When you're watching <laughs> exactly. T- when, it's like all of a sudden, everything's so vibrant. It's you clear. see everything. You see all the details. Yeah. It, it's even more than that. It's going from black and white into high def TV. It's kind of like that. You see every detail now. And, and this is God. That's his plan. He, he wants us to not give up, to keep seeking, keep looking, keep hoping and trusting in him to reveal those things to us. And he will. You know, there were times that you were un- uneasy and then God has gotten you through those times because you never let it go. You just kept looking for the truth and you eventually got to where you are now. Yeah, so I don't put anybody down for no. not understanding what I'm teaching you here. Mm-hmm. I know why they're not getting it. They're not reading the Bible versions that I'm reading that go from the Greek, the, the one that the Bible that God preserved. Right. In the, it, that's why he brought the Greeks in. Exactly. There was no other reason to have the Greeks come and take over, but he needed them to preserve his word for Amen. all time. Amen. And we need to be using that version of the right. Bible to translate into English mm-hmm. rather than the corrupted version that the Pharisees and Sadducees had right. during Jesus' day. We know they were enemies of Christ. We're going to trust their version? That's what <laughs> we're doing right now. We're trusting that the Pharisees and the scribes are the mm-hmm. ones that are going to be preserving all the prophecies about right. Jesus accurately doesn't even take that much <laughs> that much smarts to figure out. I know why they corrupted it because they didn't want everyone looking to Christ right. and then losing their congregations. Well, they saw their moment and they took it, and that's what they did. They corrupted yep. it when there mm-hmm. wasn't very many people around. Mm-hmm. Jerusalem had already been destroyed, and so there wasn't very many of them left. And we're all like, we're just gonna just we're gonna do a reboot here, <laughs> and. and no, they, didn't change, they couldn't change too much because people right. would figure that out. They just changed enough right. to not see all these Bible prophecies about Jesus. The ones that I'm showing you here. That all make sense and pop out and everything. Mm-hmm. And there are other ones I noticed that also are carefully edited. Right. And I'll share, share that yeah. and other. And that's what this whole show is about. I'm showing you all these edited Bible mm-hmm. verses. And I'm showing you how the original reader would have understood it. Right. So don't give up. Stay strong. And we'll learn more next time. Why don't you close us off today? We're living in Satan's little season. Not only because it's biblical. Because it just makes sense. Join or contact us at satanslittleseason.org. This is a non-copyright, living in Satan's little season production.